0: Hey, Don. Hello, Zach. This week, The New Yorker had an interesting article about Taco Bell and its food innovation lab, and it was also just sort of a piece about the company itself, and here's the best paragraph I read. Taco Bell's food innovation staff, which includes 60 developers, focuses on big questions. How do you make a Cheez-It snack cracker big enough to be a tostada? What are the ideal cheez dimensions to guarantee that the tostada won't crack inconveniently when bitten into? Or consider the Doritos Locos taco. What safeguards can be implemented to prevent the orange Dorito dust from staining the consumer's hand or clothing? Can 14 flaming hot Fritos corn chips be added to the middle of a burrito and retain their crunch? Can the taco shell be made out of a waffle or a folded slab of chicken? These are all problems of architecture and scalability. Fast food is assembly, not cooking. And Don, the article just goes on to talk about some of the most famous innovations that Taco Bell has given us. What did you think about this article?
1: This article took me two tries. I tried to start it, and then I just lost interest. And then you sent me it, and I gave it a second try. It starts slow, but it picks up, and it gets the interesting stuff later on. I think it should have been reorganized, and start with the things they didn't do. They try 70 ideas every year and they keep like 10 and they try that new one. But some of the ones that failed were like a seafood salad and a uh, cheese curd thing. I was like, nah, that that, that would have drawn me in right there. But those ideas weren't great. Overall, it was very interesting.
0: Now, for the record, I am somebody that sort of looks pon- fondly upon my uh, younger years, when Taco Bell might have been uh, a couple times a month visit, possibly. When was the last time you went to a Taco Bell?
1: It's got to be a little over 23 years. I haven't been to a Taco Bell <laughs> since I graduated college. I did enjoy it in high school. In fact, on the way home from track meet, sometimes we'd stop at Taco Bell. Then we'd have our coach drop us a mile from the school and race home. And we called it the Taco Bell Mile because the Taco Whoa. Bell was coming up while you were finishing hard. And, uh, there, there was a special place for Taco Bell when I was in high school. And, uh, but it's still, it's, it's not one I've gone back to.
0: I can't imagine the burps that you were having as you're running a mile on that.
1: Oh yeah. It was, it was whoever could tolerate the most discomfort could, could go for it. And, uh, it it was a good time. I remember loving it, but, uh, yeah, I haven't been to Taco Bell much, although the article made me think about it a little bit. And I did kind of get the feeling that I wanted some brown, salty meat. I, I I sent you a message. Should we eat Taco Bell while we do this podcast?
0: We really should have, I think. I, I would have looked for any excuse to go there. I think the last time I was there was last spring. And to me, it was the first time when I really recognized what inflation is doing to our country. <laughs> I ordered like just a simple value meal. Uh, I, I really like the cheesy gordita crunch where they put like a, a hard shell taco and then they they cover it with another like soft shell taco. To me, it's an amazing product, but I swear it was like 12 or $13 for, for just like one order. And I just don't remember that. I always remember Taco Bell sort of being a value play of a couple bucks and you were going to feel pretty full and I just really had no idea just kind of how much prices have gone up. And other people have told me like almost all fast food has actually gotten kind of expensive.
1: Yeah, inflation strikes everywhere. I remember fondly getting a six-pack or a 10-pack of tacos in a cardboard box and just rolling out with that. Yeah.
0: No, I, I, I do remember the the, the taco pack. They, they focused this article on the innovator behind the Wrap Supreme which is one of their biggest selling items of all time. And what was interesting was listening to this lady's absolute dedication and focus on the project. This was a 13-year-plus project done. And, and it was something that you just like, really? They spent that much time trying to make uh, a, a, you know, a new taco, essentially. But it was all about getting the folds right of the tortilla. And the tortilla had to be able to encase the taco and all of the glop in the middle of it, but it also had to stick. And they talked about the science behind getting the tortilla to be heated right, to stick, and then getting the folds right. And this lady just, like, said that she had, like, dreams and, like, wrote on paper after paper about how to fold the tortilla correctly. And you just think, like, everything takes an expert. I mean, it takes an expert to design a new Ferrari It takes an expert to make a new Taco Bell product.
1: Well, and to make it in a way that can be sold profitably and consistently throughout a long chain of broadly distributed restaurants. And she has a patent on it, too.
0: Yeah, the number of people that hold patents on Taco Bell products was interesting. In fact, the whole development of the Doritos Locos taco was kind of fascinating. And who got to put their name on that final patent as well?
1: Yeah, but the one thing I learned was that innovation has been baked into Taco Bell from the beginning. I knew the story that it was like a guy named Bell who's not Mexican or in any way, shape, or form, just got a taco recipe from the lady across the street and made his Taco Bell. That's how it started. I didn't know what the article talked about was deep-frying soft-shell tacos because hard shells are not real in Mexico, but taking soft-shell tacos and deep-frying them and having a (laughs) – a guy that worked for a fencing company, build the deep fryer scoop that could hold the but the uh, tortilla perfect so they could deep fry it. So innovation started pretty early there. And they're trying to find a product that is the most desirable possible. And certainly they've been successful.
0: Now, that was the question I had. As you, you, you mentioned, Glenn Bell was the founder, 1962, the first Taco Bell. But they said, as you just mentioned, that up until then, no fast food restaurant had ever served a hard shell taco. Did He in, he didn't invent the hard shell taco. Is that what they were trying to say? Uh,
1: my understanding is that hard shell tacos are a Caucasian invention and that in Mexico, they're all soft shell tacos. I could be wrong, but I think that that's the case. And yeah, he, he may not have been the first, but he was the one that really popularized it and brought it out there. By the way san bernardino california 1968 mcdonald's starts taco bell starts right around the same time and you know what starts in the same city in the same year
0: the hell's angels oh Hell's hell's
1: angels all in san bernardino california and if you've been there it's not a particularly exciting city and there are orange groves there at the time but there's no orange groves now there's just a Big railroad switching yard, and uh, pretty near an airport, and a lot of commuters and traffic.
0: I feel like you could do a uh, social studies lesson comparing and contrasting the golden age of San Bernardino and maybe the golden age of Athens with democracy and, <laughs> and stuff like that. Lots of uh, big ideas and big people flowing there.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: They they said that uh, Bell had to show people how to tilt their heads in order to eat a taco, he wrote in his autobiography, we change the eating habits of an entire nation. And uh, I guess, is that a claim to fame? Like, because of him, he's the reason why people have to eat a taco a certain way? Like, that's kind of an impressive thing to brag about, I think.
1: I think there were people eating tacos before him that knew how to eat a taco. He just passed it on to the masses who were the unwashed masses who... Get to remain unwashed because they don't get taco sauce on them. But yeah, I, I think he just popularized that. But he did pass it on. And the one line I loved in this is that the uh, automatic transmission allows people to eat more food while they drive, and therefore Americans gained weight. That was a good. That was a good section as well.
0: Yes, what you're referring to is a theory by a former Taco Bell CEO who's like, the moment we stopped driving stick shifts is when we kind of became a larger nation. Do you
1: think that's true? Hey, I've seen my dad tie a tie while driving a stick and smoking a cigarette. So it can be done. It's just hard. And it depends on your vehicle. But it's harder to eat driving stick. I love stick, Zach. You know that. I miss it.
0: It is fun. And he's 100% right. It would be really hard to eat a Crunchwrap Supreme or a hamburger if you had to do that. I think it's an interesting correlation, that's for sure. I I would love to, I guess, see the graph, but probably here we are, we're talking 60s, 70s, as slowly we are seeing the decline in stick shifts, we are seeing the increase in fast food, and we kind of are seeing uh, an increase in obesity rates all around these same times. I'm sure there's other factors, but it's just an interesting correlation to draw. Absolutely. Absolutely. The other thing about this article that I thought was interesting was how the people working in this food lab who are like highly trained culinary professionals and scientists and how they have to always be thinking about the end restaurant and that basically no item can be made Uh, in over a minute, because they're obviously working in fast food, you got to make a lot of items. And then you've got to be able to make the item easy to be made by anybody, you got to be able to train them fairly quickly. And so it really kind of limits what you're able to do. And therefore, whenever they have these kind of big breakthroughs, it's kind of impressive. And as you're saying, like every year, they're starting out with 1000s of like kind of prototype ideas, they get it down to 70. And then About once a month, Taco Bell always has a new commercial with a new product. And I've done this before, Don. I've turned to my wife like during a commercial for Taco Bell, and I've been like, they did it again. They made a new interesting (laughs) product. I'm kind of intrigued. I feel like I have to go try this one. And yet, I've always used to joke, same slop, different package. And apparently, The Onion has even had a headline that says, Taco Bell, five ingredients combined in a totally new way. It's funny when you think about what they're working with and yet what they're able to do.
1: Well, it's a lesson well-learned and it's a lesson that Starbucks learned. I've been reading that Starbucks is really struggling because now there's over 6,000 combinations people can order on given, any given day and that they have so many customers ordering online and drive-through that it's impossible for the workers to keep up with the speed uh, and the complexity of the orders that are coming in. And they're trying to figure out how they can redesign the stores without changing their geographic footprint, because that makes it so much more expensive. They should learn a lesson from Taco Bell. Think it through before you offer something.
0: Well, or the real key is, simplify the menu because taco bell will bring in one of these products but usually they're gone within a month or two and then they bring in the next promotional product right and then of course you do have your core staple items but a lot of them kind of come and go i think for simplicity's sake and you're right like the barista at a starbucks now is almost a highly skilled laborer and i, I do wonder if that's why you're starting to see like the rise in unionization for instance at a Starbucks because. These people do have a real skill, especially when you have people that come in and want some sort of crazy combined thing that maybe they only know how to make.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. And they Starbucks doesn't let things go away. They just keep adding on because they want to keep people, the loyal customers for whatever they got before pumpkin spice latte and still pull in people for the cold brew or whatever it is that they're advertising now.
0: And at the same time, just kind of back to Taco Bell, they they talked about how like they owned a $40,000 like device that mimics human, human chewing as they're constantly like researching like what's the perfect breaking point of a chip. Apparently what they've researched is four pounds of pressure per square inch. I don't know. It's amazing that they've put that much thought into all of these little moments like the shredded cheese depending on what item it's on it has to be a certain millimeters of length for it to be acceptable. They they really just don't leave anything to guess it seems like.
1: No, well they're trying to create a eternally repeatable thing because that's what fast food is, the McDonald's way, which is it always tastes the same. And therefore they have to make it repeatable, consistent and easily done in any location around the nation or probably the world in different geographies, different temperatures, at different times. And they're able to do that. The
0: one thing I thought was interesting was they took us through a scenario where they were really excited about this new bean burrito that they had developed that's going to have melted cheese on the top of the burrito. Below the melted cheese are going to be four jalapeno slices. And I thought, really, like you're excited about that? But they were super excited that they had figured out how to melt the cheese on the outside by having a special paper that they had to research and develop so they could take the paper off and yet still have the perfect melted cheese. And they were just like, oh, yeah, this burrito just shows the kind of love and care that we have for our product. The consumers are going to love it. And I'm just still thinking like, Don, it's still just a bean burrito with, with cheese and four jalapeno slices. That's not that impressive.
1: No, but you're getting a minimum wage worker to make it consistently in all these different places. So that's impressive is you can make it doable. Um, although at the end of the article, the uh, main subject is at a Taco Bell and seems unimpressed with the performance of the local Taco Bell.
0: That's true. The inventor of the Crunchwrap Supreme is like very picky about the Crunchwrap Supreme. They have been served. And I can only imagine how often the quality control people go out from uh, headquarters and then just, you know, crush some of their individual franchisees about quality. Because I've been to a fast food restaurant and you're just like, wow, like this thing's cold or this thing doesn't work. Or, you know, you go to a Little Caesars and there's no cheese on it or something like that. Yeah, I I can only imagine that if you're the inventor of that, you've got to probably be more disappointed than happy.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. Now, if you we read this article about Taco Bell, what other entity would you like to read the similar article about? The similar story about the person in charge of making the new creation for that company.
0: You know, when, when uh, 20 years ago, I read like the inside story of McDonald's and I was fascinated when they got to the food lab section of how they like developed the chicken nugget for instance or The French fry thing was fascinating because that was like a decade long problem of across the nation, all the French fries were coming out wildly inconsistent. I mean, they studied this problem over and over and and poured millions of dollars. And what they kept finding out, because they were like, well, the oil's the same. It's the same temperature. But every time they were dumping a new batch of cold, frozen French fries into the oil, they were all causing the oil to start at a different temperature before it heated up, if that makes sense. Mm. And that slight degree made the fries all slightly different. And so they had to like start trying to figure out a ways to account for that. So I found that fascinating. I, I, I don't know if uh, there's another place I'd love to know because I would assume they all have really unique stories to tell, I I guess I would probably read any of them because I kind of find all this stuff really fascinating. If anything, maybe snack food. I'd love to know more about like how we made Oreos or like how they made uh, like the Sour Patch kit or something like that. How about you?
1: I I think it'd be interesting to talk to the people in charge of this at Waffle House or in and out Burger where it never changes. it's just a culture of no, just like, no, no, we're not changing it. No, no, no. Nope. Not doing it. And just see like, the absolute resistance to change and the must be coming with the research that people love the way it is and don't want change
0: or is it just not profitable you know and, and sometimes you just realize look look these are the core things that we do i would assume you go to a waffle house though and you could probably tell them like hey can you take all this you know regular menu items and combine it together and they might help you out there or something like that but Probably at the end of the day, there's a lot more thinking that we go on to it. They mentioned in one of the paragraphs for Taco Bell that if they also if they all of a sudden want to add cilantro to a menu item, they now have to look at the national cilantro food supply. And are we gonna like crush <laughs> the national food supply if we all of a sudden start ordering, you know, tons and tons of this stuff? And therefore you've got to plan out for years to even get enough to be able to do it. I mean, I think they said that there's 42 million people a week that eat at a Taco Bell, which I kind of thought that was that seemed high to me. I guess maybe not. They also said they go through 8 billion sauce packets a year. That, to me, was crazy, especially when I think of the worker that just gives you way too many of them. And I think they could (laughs) probably save some money there.
1: Yes, yes, certainly they could. But... (laughs) It's a lot of people. It's a lot of tacos. You'd have to contract with like, all right, we're going to need cilantro in six months. Can you start growing it now?
0: Yeah. Oh, it takes years. I, I do remember seeing a McDonald's interview with a culinary chef who was working on, I think like the snack wrap or one of the salads. And he was super excited because he had argued well enough to finally get cucumbers in the McDonald's like supply food chain. And he's like, because we now have cucumbers, now we can start to make other items and experiment with it because we finally got it in, which I just thought was interesting. That is. Do you think being a research chef for a fast food company is like a destination dream job?
1: Do you think it's just something that everybody stumbles into? Where would you place that? It's interesting. I was thinking about this. We have a friend that she came out of college, out of Western with a biology degree and ended up working at, uh, I think it was Duncan Hines, or maybe it's Pillsbury, bacon cakes. And she was in the experimental text kitchen, bacon cakes, trying to figure out how to bake these the best possible, the instructions, the consistency, the recipes. And it seemed like it was a right after college job that she kind of liked and then ended up moving on. But you just can't end up in this thing. I think it could be frustrating. I mean, this woman was at it for 13 years. She went through five marketing CEOs trying to convince them that this was a good idea. And eventually it goes through, but that seems like it'd be frustrating after pounding your head in the wall every single day. So I'm not sure it's a gig I want.
0: But is it any different than the, the journeyman teacher like you and I who just you know spend their whole career Teaching the same subjects year after year, working with students, some great, some challenging year after year. Is that really any different than just working on trying to fold a tortilla the right way to cover an entire
1: taco? We have a lot of a liberty to do whatever we want. So if you're teaching the basic state benchmarks, you can do it entirely different one year to the next year. And I'm sure you do. And you can find different ways to attack the idea and with different students. So it it changes for us. We can do whatever we want. We don't have somebody staring us in the head, in the face going like, all right, your next 12 months are putting Dorito flavoring on a taco shell. Go.
0: (laughs) That's true. And yet I can only imagine what those people know about the properties of certain types of foods and spices as they... have probably tried all sorts of ideas. In fact, at first I was like, oh my God, it's probably not a destination job, especially if you're like a, a you know, a culinary trained chef. But then I thought, actually, is it maybe harder to come up with a new menu item at McDonald's or Taco Bell than it is at your own restaurant? I mean, if it's your own restaurant, then you control all the supplies. You control all the foods you want to work with. You can make anything. Isn't it harder actually to work within the constraints of whatever's in the Taco Bell sort of uh, mainstays and have to try to come up with something new and exciting?
1: Well, absolutely. And if you're a chef in your restaurant, all you have to do is teach your three cooks how to do the thing that you want them to do. You don't have to teach them remotely and worldwide. It's just your three cooks. And you can even step in and help them.
0: Well, and I guess that's my question then is like, you know, you think about like David Chang or, or um, some of these other like celebrity chefs. And I'm not here to say that they don't have a ton of skill and don't do amazing things. But when you think about the guy that comes up with Doritos Locos Taco or Crunchwrap Supreme or name any other man. How about the McRib, right? Whenever McDonald's is having a bad financial quarter, they then announce McRib's coming back. And then that like spikes everything and everybody gets really <laughs> excited. People are driving across the country to eat the fake rib with the sauce or whatever and you just think like that person though created not only something that makes millions of people happy but they also made it in a way that anybody can replicate it I, i really you know i'm kind of swinging on i really think these are geniuses
1: i think it's an entirely different job one with like you said many constraints but also one that is limited in your creativity so you can't do as much interesting stuff so yeah, they made, like you said, the five ingredients, different ways to make it interesting and tasty, but a real chef is one working with limitless options, thousands, millions of choices and techniques and can find something new there that's never done before. And I think that's even more impressive. And um, even though they are, like you said, David Chang, I guarantee he's got, what, 10 restaurants? I guarantee somebody in each of those restaurants has worked with him for at least a year and know what he wants and how he does it, and is a trusted confidant. And that's how he makes it work.
0: No, that's a, that's a very good point. It's a very good point. There is a great line in there, though, where some major food critic says that whoever invented the Crunch Wrap Supreme should be given the Nobel Peace Prize. I saw that. I saw <laughs> that.
1: That's what we need to send to Palestine and Israel to try and calm the tensions a bunch of Crunch Wrap Supreme.
0: Now, they do give up the dirt on the creation of the Doritos Locos Taco, which uh, started being developed in 2009. They said they went through, like, 50 different recipes. At one point, the biggest problem was how do you spray the taco shell with, like, the Doritos uh, cheese-like spray spray? But at the same time, like, how do you not get it in the eyes of, like, the workers and, like, burn people's throats? Like, it was almost like they needed, like, hazmat suits, which I thought was kind of funny. They had a Home Depot spray gun they were trying. And therefore, like, the biggest part was just trying to get the coating on the taco, which I thought was crazy.
1: That is wild. I have never had one of those. I did read in the journal, though, that Taco Bell created 20,000 jobs nationwide because that thing was so popular they had to hire so many more employees. And that is impressive right there.
0: They said they sold 100 million within the first 10 weeks of its release. (laughs) They said during the testing phase where only like like certain locations had it, people were driving 300 miles across the nation to go have one. I'm not going to lie, Don. The Doritos Locos Taco is kind of amazing. It, It really is. And you owe yourself and your family to go have one.
1: I have never had one. I ha- I do eat a Dorito now and again, not a whole bag, but I will have a Dorito and say, "Oh, that's kind of tasty. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I sound like a Puritan here. But yes, I, <laughs> I, I I do eat a burger. I'll eat a dog. Like, I'm all in. I just have not darkened the door of Taco Bell.
0: They They even said that a Doritos Locos Taco is 170 calories and that half of those calories come from fat, which according to the research is the ideal ratio for mouthfeel and uh, and making it taste just wonderful. Do you think that should apply to all cooking projects as well?
1: Oh, I'm sure it is. And I'm sure that's what chefs are thinking over. Like, okay, what will make this tasty? And it's butter. the right mix. Yeah, yeah, butter. Lots and lots of butter. <laughs> After you mentioned inflation, I looked at the Taco Bell website and a soft taco is seventy nine. I thought, I think that's quite reasonable, especially since the Chipotle burrito is like 10 bucks. But I did page down to see that uh, once you step up to the Doritos, that more that doubles the price. So, uh, But I don't know how much of that's going to Frito-Lay and PepsiCo's pocketing every day.
0: Well, the other question, too, is uh, $1.79. I bet you they're giving you maybe three-quarters of a scoop of the ground beef, maybe only like four pieces of shredded lettuce and one piece of shredded cheese on there. I'm sure they're finding ways to make up for it. If anything, one thing I've noticed is – The average Taco Bell employee seems wildly inconsistent in making their taco. (laughs) Sometimes they're almost way too big. And then other times it's like, is there anything in here? So maybe they're really cutting down on just sort of like how much we're putting in to try to cut costs. But I mean, those things used to be 99 cents or 59 cents or something like that. Almost $2 for one of those tacos. Like Those are not exactly uh, large uh, portions there.
1: I still think it's a very reasonable price. It competes with the hot, the hot dog at uh, Costco for $1.50, um, and pretty well. That said, I love your faith that it is actually meat. I think it's probably ground-up Chinese newspapers and old wrestling mats in there.
0: Everybody loves to to make the jokes about the grade C meat or, or whatever's in there. The bottom line is like who cares? It tastes amazing and that's really what people want to focus on. They even said that everything from Taco Bell either comes in frozen or dehydrated and then and then rebrought back to life once it gets to the store and stuff like that.
1: And the people leave dehydrated as well. <laughs> Especially if they're drinking
0: that big sugary soda or the Baja Blast Mountain Dew or something like that.
1: Yeah, I, <laughs> this is all foreign to me. I really, now I'm feeling that I should go and check it out. And my sons own Yum Brand stock. So I'd really be helping them. Yes,
0: you would be. Now, I remember, so the Doritos Locos Locosago starts development in 2009. I think 2013 is when it finally came to America and it's been here ever since. I feel like around 2014 or 15, I was seeing a Doritos Locos taco commercial and it was the first time I'd kind of like reflected. And I said, don't you think like America should have been able to invent that like 20 years earlier? (laughs) I mean, I was just thinking like, I literally put on the, well, we put a man on the moon in 1969 and we've had a lot of other technological innovations like the internet, the iPhone, and yet we couldn't figure out how to make a taco out of a Dorito until 2009. Like it just kind of felt like humanity took a took a real like uh, slow start when it came to this one.
1: Yes, this would be in the club of inventions that you just are surprised it's now occurring. Uh, I'd put that in there with the squeeze bottle for ketchup, which although is probably 25 years old, it still seemed like, shouldn't we have done this already then?
0: Yes, the, the other one I have is I don't know, maybe seven or eight years ago, I was at the grocery store and I bought a split top hot dog bun. Where have you ever seen these? You can just like split them open from the top instead of like the normal slit on the side where you rip the thing open and half the time you, you know, you got to like put two pieces of bread over a hot dog. I was like, how are we not splitting the top of hot dog buns? I, I, like in, in the 1960s or 50s or maybe in the 1800s? Like George Washington should have had that available to him.
1: <laughs> I think he was eating sausages. Uh, yeah, I, I'm sure you pay a premium for this. I think this is the search for market share and uh, the search for more profits. I've noticed honey graham crackers come in a single sleeve, not the double wide for use with s'mores. And there is a price premium there, my friend.
0: Yeah, you you take the same thing. And you just kind of find a way to kind of innovate around it. And yet, uh, it seems like people go crazy for it. Now, now here's another idea I've had for Taco Bell. And maybe if they're listening, they're probably not. But maybe if they are, here's my product, Don. Tell me if this is going to be classy or trashy here. I'm going to call my product Salir, which in your Spanish education, I'm sure you remember that Salir is the word for to go. Uh, in Spanish. And my product is this. I want to take tortillas and I want to roll them up with with tiny little taco particles uh, in there, a little bit of meat, a little bit of like lettuce and cheese. But imagine they're kind of like the thickness of a French fry. And then you get them in a French fry box. And then it's like you're eating like a French fry like taco while you drive.
1: Oh, the key is while you drive. It's a hands-free action. I think that would be a good sailor.
0: I, I don't know. I mean, you know, again, same swap, uh, different package. Mm-hmm. I feel like Taco Bell is going to come up like short one month and they're going to need my idea.
1: Well, they as long as they don't have to bring in too many ingredients. Like they brought in eggs and this breakfast thing has really taken off. They're doing well with it. I, I I've seen people waiting in line in the morning.
0: Are they doing well? Because that's one thing that I intended to do like six years ago. It was like, oh, Taco Bell's doing breakfast. Like, oh, those look interesting, and I never got there. Are they still getting people there?
1: I guess so. I when I was looking at the menu, I looked at the crunch wrap Breakfast, and I was like, oh, I could go with that. I could check that out. I love a breakfast burrito.
0: Yeah, I, it seems like McDonald's kind of owns fast food breakfast. Every once in a while, everybody wants to come up and like be a breakfast person, but. The McDonald's seems to still win that whole game.
1: Starbucks is pretty busy, Zach, and they have some tasty breakfast sandwiches. Mm,
0: Fair enough. Okay, so then do you agree with this statement that came from the article? It said, 19 years after the documentary, Super Size Me, conditioned Americans to equate fast food with pink slime, Taco Bell has, through the power of marketing, managed to make itself not just socially acceptable, but post ironically hip. Do you think that they've done that in, in a way? Nobody like belittles or makes fun of Taco Bell. They they does kind of seem cool. I, I got to agree with that. Would you?
1: Yeah, they don't take the rap that McDonald's does as the leader. They really, they eat that bullet. But somehow they've, uh, Taco Bell's avoided it. But they've also not really endorsed this fresh, healthy stuff like uh, Panera and Chipotle. They're just what they are. I don't think they claim to be anything but what they are. And maybe you get some legitimacy from owning that.
0: I mean, it seems like they kind of win over a younger crowd it, it does seem like they're not afraid to uh, do kind of insane, weird commercials. They used to have the, uh, the dog, the Yoke taco bell dog. <laughs> they used to kind of, uh, you know, sort of imply the whole fourth meal thing. And, and yet they just kind of seem to win people over. And it's almost like they hit that point of like, nobody takes them that seriously, but also nobody's negative about them. And, I don't really know anybody who's upset if it's like, hey, let's go to Taco
1: Bell. I have said no to you and Kevin Kopeck leaving parent-teacher <laughs> conferences, I think a dozen times at least, and I uh, just headed home. But, um, yeah, there seems to be an enduring love for Taco Bell. You're really talking me into it. I'm not going tonight, but I could see <laughs> myself at some point in the future hitting up a Taco Bell.
0: And, and shout out to our beloved friend, Chad Sweat. Who is on the record as still being very upset because of after the 2005 or 2006 E. coli breakout that Taco Bell had, they discontinued the green onions and he really misses those in his Taco Bell orders.
1: <laughs> now it's four ingredients. Now we're mixing up four ingredients <laughs> and still making it go.
0: Yeah, they never brought it back. Like, he kept. I remember for like a year or two, he's like, well, maybe they have the green onions again. He's like, they don't. He's like, they're never coming back. And I think he really appreciated the extra crunch or, or taste it offered. You
1: gotta send that message out to Taco Bell. Get them back on there. If they can get cucumbers at McDonald's, they should be able to get green onions at Taco Bell.
0: Well, final, final quote then that I want to read and get your take. Because as much as we just sort of said, maybe Taco Bell has somehow threaded the needle of kind of being cool, kind of being hip, and, and people being excited about going there, somebody else wrote this. It's a cry for help in the hellscape. M.M. Kerrigan, a writer in Baltimore who edits the online literary journal Taco Bell Quarterly said, this is this perpetual renewal to their menu items. They keep making these novel items for us, shape-shifting, like we're going to give it to you in a hotel room in a crunch wrap. We're going to give it to you through tubes in your car. We're going to give it to you in the metaverse. It's the illusion of progress, or it's the logical end game of American abundance and choice. The marketing apex of what Michael Pollan describes in The Omnivore's Dilemma as what the food industrial chain does best. Obscure the histories of food it produces by processing them to such an extent that they appear as pure products of culture rather than nature. Those are tough words, done.
1: Uh, yeah, and I love Omnivore's Dilemma, and I've read other, Michael Palin's other books and really enjoyed them. Um, yeah, I, it's not food, Zach. It's not food. It's just a magical thing that comes out and goes in your belly. You can imagine a farm as being very distant from a uh, Taco Bell or a movie theater, for that matter. It's just a, it's something that comes in a truck that's not from... It's just a mystery.
0: And it is interesting because, like like you're right though, about a product of culture, not nature. And you think about a Dorito. And you know, by that point, what exactly is it that came natural? And uh, I just think that's an interesting critique, and it's one that really makes me think about it. and And yet, I guess at the end of the day, as much as these people are probably correct, and I feel like I should be feeling bad about myself for saying that I like going to Taco Bell. I think I'm going to go the other way and say, no, I'm still going.
1: You're funding a cornfield in Iowa. That's where it all comes from. That's true. That's true. And the
0: guacamole plant in Mexico where they get the <laughs> um, avocado paste. It's not actually guacamole, they said.
1: Yeah, and the sour cream that goes in that giant caulk gun. I mean, they they do it. They, they know how to do it, Zach. It's tasty. People love it.
0: It is. It is. Well, Don, I hope you take your family someday to Taco Bell and uh, give us a full report. I really do think you should get one of those Doritos Locos tacos, though, because I feel like that's an experience that uh, a lot of people need to be able to speak about.
1: I can guarantee you that I will walk into the Taco Bell and two members of my family will walk out without ordering a thing. Oh,
0: really? Are they Have they ever been oh, yeah. or are they that judgmental?
1: I, I will bet with you that my wife and younger son will not even won't find a single thing to order. They wouldn't
0: even want to try a Doritos Locos taco.
1: I am certain. I think my older son would find something he liked. And I think everybody else would be like, no, I don't think so. Very health conscious in our household, Zach, very high standards.
0: But is that just snobby to do that and not even try? Cause that's that whole thing. I mean, Dr. Seuss taught us a long time ago with green eggs and ham until you try it, you can't you can't judge it. I feel like that's part of the problem is we don't have enough people in this country that have tried it and, and can speak about it and therefore have a common language with others.
1: Maybe you're, maybe you're right, Zach. Maybe they'll walk in and walk out and uh, be ev- evangelical. I do, I do, I do like green eggs and ham. I like them here, I like them there. I like them in a bus, I like them with Gus, I like them on a train, I like them in the rain. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I hope everybody out there at least tries it once uh, so that at least they know. In fact, shout out to my wife's late grandmother, who she was, I think, 85 and um, still still alive, still a vibrant personality, was losing her vision a little bit. And I'll always remember my wife and I were in our early 20s and we drove down to her house in Farmington and she said what's with this taco bell and and we said like what do you mean she's like i've never had it and and we were like okay she's like i would like you to go get me some taco bell <laughs> and and we were like okay we can do that and so my wife and i we drove and we got a bunch of tacos possibly the taco 10 pack and i'll always remember we brought it back and and my wife's grandmother Got out China plates, Don, and she served Taco <laughs> Bell on China plates. And uh, that's what we did for a meal one night. And I just always felt happy that um, that she did get a chance to try it.
1: Did she enjoy it? I
0: think she did. I, I I don't remember her saying this is the worst thing ever. I also <laughs> don't remember her saying this is the best thing ever. But then again, that's Taco Bell in a nutshell,
1: isn't it? Yes. Now, full disclosure, are you a Yum! brand stockholder? Are you promoting this surely for your own uh, brand?
0: Yes, I, I probably should say that I am a Yum! Brands <laughs> stockholder. In fact, I just to shout out, I guess, for a moment there, there was a, a mention in this article about how the Dairy Management Incorporated, and they are a, uh, a trade group that tries to promote getting more dairy items into fast food products. They are actually the people to be complimented for inventing the stuffed crust pizza, which uh, I had an uncle who was a dairy farm and he said the price of milk shot up huge when the first stuffed crust pizzas were coming up because of all that cheese. And they are now trying to get more cheese and dairy into Uh, Taco Bell products and stuff like that so uh, I would at least give that shout out and um, I would also say I'm a former employee of KFC that was the first job I got when I was 14 also owned by the Yum uh, Brands Corporation.
1: Ah yes the tight connections there my dad worked at the KFC I've never worked fast food not yet maybe I'll be there (laughs) soon Zach. You
0: can see that we're really going to move the stock's needle here with all these full disclosures. (laughs) Well, Don, it's been a pleasure talking this week, and I look forward to talking with you next week.
1: Absolutely, Zach. Have a good one.
0: Take care.